You're listening to Hawk Talk, the official podcast of Monmouth University Athletics. Here are your hosts, Eddie Acapinti and Greg Viscomi. Episode number 12 of Hawk Talk, and it is the best time of the year. We get ready for the MAC tournament. It is March Madness upon us, Eddie Acapinti. Greg Viscomi, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm super pumped because last week we had our most downloads ever with our guest, um, who did an awesome job just laying everything out there for us, talking Hawks, baseball, talking and Mac tournament, our guy, Carrie Jacobson, most, most downloads to date, which is great. Does that mean we're, we're hot in Vegas right now? I hope so. Yeah. It's a good place to be hot. But we figured we'd, we'd keep it going with this week's guest and, and talk all things Mac Tournament. And I am super pumped. I mean, like, super pumped to bring on our guy, your guy, mm. Steve Bazaz. That's right. We are happy to welcome in former Mammoth player, current Mammoth analyst on our broadcast on the Mammoth Digital Network on ESPN, and really the foremost expert on the Mac. Steve, how you doing, man? Well, that's quite the intro, guys. Uh, I didn't expect that. Thank you very much. And uh, really setting the expectations high, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So we're gonna we're gonna pull the bandaid off quick here, and and, and due to <laughs> we're just gonna get it out of the way due to, due to some some requirements due to to the university and COVID requirements. Uh, Steve was not um, was unable to uh, do games on ESPN with with us this year, and uh, Dave Callaway filled in and did an awesome job. I mean, Hall of Famer, former coach, just the rapport he has with coaches is great. But um, but hopefully all that is behind us. You know, Steve will be back on the sidelines uh, next year, wherever we may land our broadcasts. Uh, but when Eddie and I were talking about having uh, talking about the, the MAC tournament again this year, the first thing that we both kind of came to was we need somebody who knows a lot about hoops and who, who who knows the league inside and out. And although he he tried to admit that he doesn't know as much as he normally does, which I understand. Um, we know that Steve was going to do a great job. So we are pumped and, and and let's just get into it. I mean, let's break down this Mac basketball year. Let's break down Atlantic city. Let's break down these Hawks, which were exciting to watch. And I think there's a ton of potential there. Greg, I couldn't say any better. I mean, this time of year, if you work in college athletics, if you are, Really, just even a sports fan, there's something about those first few weeks of March that are so special. And, you know, like Greg said, Steve, it's great to have you back, man. This is kind of, you know, we, we get to finish this year, this season almost like it's the beginning of next season, right? Every, every coach says that. Like, when a year ends, it's, it's the beginning of the next year. But um, in a given year, I mean, Steve, what would you say the last couple of years you would watch what? 100, 150 games, whatever it was of this league, you'd see every team play in preparation for our games. I think you probably watched more Mac basketball, I would say, than probably anyone who's not a coach. Yeah, I mean, based on broadcasting, Eddie, but also the games we broadcasted, but also getting ready for other broadcasts, right. too. I I would love watching other teams play, and, and that's also selfishly coaching, too, because I, I coach high school basketball. So I'm watching games as a broadcaster preparing for that, but I'm also trying to steal stuff as a coach and uh, steal set plays and steal inbounds plays and uh, anything I can get on the coaching end too. So yes, I do tend to watch a lot of basketball, especially this time of year. Uh, it is the greatest time of year, isn't it? And seeing teams being able to punch their ticket and get to the tournament. And uh, there's no better time uh, than this time of year. Greg, I do want to bring up one thing real quick. 
I was so thrilled for you guys that Coach Callaway did the games for you all season long. Uh, no better guy to do the games. Hall of Famer, of course, as a player and coach. And uh, I was very, very happy for you guys. And uh, I thought that was a great get and a great job. Yeah, by you guys. and just to make the commitment to 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 work every game or to come to every game and. Um, and just to watch his rapport with the other coaches and how well respected he is. And, um, there's no kind of weirdness with him being here. Um, it, coach rice has the utmost respect for him. And, and I think he does for coach rice as well. It's just, it's just awesome. So, like I said, uh, we, we turned uh, lemonade out of lemons and, um, did a great job, and he's even hinted at maybe a three-man booth next year. <laughs> that threw, would be a blast. He threw it out to me. He said, what do you think about three-man next year? We'll see. I don't know if we could afford to pay all these people, but... Uh, I don't I, know. <laughs> forget the money. I don't know if there's enough time in the broadcast for all three of us to get all the words in that we would have to. I mean, I, put it this way. Those two would just talk basketball the whole time. I would have to sit back and just watch. I mean, some people would say that's okay. That's a good point. But I also... Um, I, I really, I, I've been promising steve for years years that we're going to look into try to figure out a telestrator that's a good point you have been promising. And, yes. uh i think we're finally now that the the parton broadcasting center is complete and uh young drew our producer has been absolutely crushing the broadcast and our broadcasts are better than any mid-majors or you know better than they're better than any student-run broadcast uh as far as innovations and in preparation and everything else goes i think finally we might be ready maybe next year to explore whether or not we can get a, a telestrator, because I think that could be cool. Um, and Wait, this is happen. recorded, right? Like we can go back <laughs> and, and reference this next year or what? Listen, I was always okay with the idea. It was just, um, you know, money and time and integration and all that stuff. So maybe, maybe we're, we're ready for that now. Year said, one in the CAA and we come out swinging? Year one in the CAA and we got a telestrator. Right off the bat, we're going to be just blowing people's minds. I love that idea. I think that's great, and I'll be using. I'll I'll make excuses to use it. I'll, opening tip: I'll say, "Hey, we got to <laughs> we got to go to the telestrator." You know, th this year and and as we get ready for this, the, like we said, the best time of year in this conference tournament down in Atlantic City, right? It's appropriate. We talked to Kerry last week. He's in Las Vegas. Now we get to shift things east here uh, into Atlantic City, and and we're. Obviously, so excited for what this is. Mamet's final run in the MAC tournament, the men's and women's teams. Uh, the women's team finishes 14 and 15, 9 and 11. They're the number six seed. They actually play Tuesday at 1 30. Um, their matchup is against Canisius, the men's team. Uh, finishing this year as the number four seed, 19 and 12, 11 and nine in league play. Only four teams on the men's side, by the way, with winning records in league play. Monmouth was one of them. So uh, we'll kind of start there as we look at both of these men's and women's teams. We'll also look at the draw. We'll look at the other matchups uh, in the first round, in the quarterfinals. But, you know, Steve, I know you you were able to, to kind of, you know, keep tabs on everything that was going on. And I know I shared with you multiple times just how good of a job Jenny Boggess did with this women's team throughout the course of the year. They're playing fun basketball, smiles on girls' faces. Stella Clark today announces an all-league selection, um, and they'll get ready to play as the number six seed with um, you know Coach Boggess in year one with more optimism and energy than we can remember them having in quite some time. Uh, I think that's well said, Eddie, and it's been great to watch them from afar uh, to see in just one season what Coach Boggess has done with this program and you know when you, you see a coach and, and you just say they have it, they have something about them, uh, they they win the room, they they just have the it factor, right? And, and something that, we, you know, is always talked about, the it factor, who has it. I think we all know now that Coach Boggess definitely has the it factor. She's very sharp. Uh, she, she commands 
uh, the room when she's in it. Obviously, she's a tremendous basketball coach. She's phenomenal on social media. Talk about somebody getting it, and especially uh, the way things are with college athletics, social media being a huge aspect of that now, I think, for coaches and for programs. Uh, and she seems to, to nail every aspect of it. So they'll start play Tuesday in the first round. They just missed out on that first round by in the, the quarterfinals. Um, and you want to talk about a game or two kind of going differently during the course of the year, and they will they would find their, themselves in the quarterfinals now. So they'll have to win their way into the quarterfinals. This men's team, 19-12, and 12, looking for their 20th win of the year. They play Thursday night in the late game against Niagara, who's kind of a surprise five seed. But, you know, Steve, as we kind of look big picture at this men's team, such a veteran team, such an experienced group. You all the accolades, Marcus McClary, most games played, George Pappas with the year he had, and Shavar and Walker Miller also get recognized with all-conference honors. Um, this is a group and a veteran group that I think knows what's in front of them and knows that for a lot of those guys, it's the last ride. Yeah, this is go time, right? This is go time for these guys. This is why you come back for a fifth season. Uh, you want to compete for a championship. You want to uh, compete for a run at a title and a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. And uh, you know, for guys like Walker Miller and Shavar Reynolds who transferred in from bigger programs uh, to have a bigger role with this team and lead this team uh, to a place that they haven't been in quite a while, uh, they've both had excellent seasons. And I think it's a very exciting time for Mammoth. And, you know, I, I think Mammoth's year obviously started off extremely well. And uh, at one point, you're, I know the two-bid Mac was being talked about with the, how good Mammoth was playing and, of course, how good... Iona has been all year long, uh, but Mamet's going to have to go on a run here. And of course, Iona's standing in their way, possibly in a semifinal matchup. What do you, can you see any possibility where Iona gets an at large? Or did the lose I mean, the lose the loss to, to loss of Manhattan kind of kill them on that? I mean, obviously, it, the only way that happens is if they get to the championship and and, lo and lose, which means that they'd have to beat Monmouth in the second round. So we're not looking forward to the, I guess what would be the semifinals. We're not, we're not even talking about that, but just as we breeze through like the overall Mac here, is there, is there any possibility if they get to that final and lose? I personally doubt it, but I think, I think Rick Pitino certainly works in their favor and they're seven and team and three in the league. Uh, they've had some good wins on the season. Obviously they beat Alabama earlier in the year. Uh, I doubt that they would get an at-large, but they would have to make the championship, obviously, and they would probably have to lose to a team like St. Peter's who's playing great basketball. They might be playing the best basketball in the league right now. Bad losses seem to be more important than great wins. At least that was Mamet's case back a few sure. years back with Justin Job. Robinson's team. When we got jobbed. Uh, absolutely. And still to this day is brought up as the worst snub in tournament history. That's yeah. kind of the, the legacy. Yeah, not an accolade you want. No, it's not, but it's also it shows I think how how much of a, of a miss the committee made that year not getting Mammoth in complete miss, and they pointed to three games at Canisius, at Manhattan, and at Army. Army. Yep. are the three games that they pointed to, and you could if you add context to all three of those losses, you can actually uh, see why uh, Mammoth lost those games. 
Uh, Army had the best team they had in years. They had three thousand point scores, three or four, uh, yep. maybe four thousand point scores. Well, they lose like three guys, right, towards the end of the year. When Monmouth played them, they were at full strength, and then they missed. I want to say it was the big and the in the one point guard for a long stretch in the middle of that season. Then they came back and I think lost in the Patriot League final, if I'm not mistaken. And, and they had a great team. They had the best team they've had in years, right? Canisius, that was the first MAC game after all the hoopla of the team from the Notre Dame win and the uh, USC win. Uh, you know, you had, of course, UCLA opening night. So you had all the hoopla, the bench mob, all that stuff. That was the first MAC game, and you had a big long bus ride. It and was, I was up was, there, right? I was, was going to say. It was the obvious letdown game. And then you had the Manhattan game, which I think made, made a ton of threes in that game. They did. Too. And Manhattan also was coming off back to back championships. And that was a road game at Dratty Gym. So you add context context right, to yeah. that. And yeah, I mean, we could go on, on about that for, <laughs> I'll never, I'll, forever. I, all I remember is the dude from Oklahoma was the, was the chair of the committee. Yes. Castellone, I think his yes. name is. Yes. Paisan let us down. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> Paisan living in Oklahoma. Eddie, me, me and you are on the air. Me and you are on the air still after that after that game. Oh, and yeah, knowing the team was in. Knowing the team was in. I think we were both upset about the loss, but we had this feeling like, well, I don't think the season's over yet because we're going to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even thinking about the NIT, but you know, the season's not over. It was a great run. We'll have another chance at it and, and see this team in the NCAAs. Jay Billis, who did the game, mm-hmm. walks by us and whispers to us while we're on the air, don't worry, they're going to get in. I mean, Jay Billis knows what he's talking about, right? Yeah, right. If anyone's inside, you figure it's ESPN's foremost analyst. But that, that was the year I knew that the Mac was never getting another at large again. And I'm not blaming the Mac; it's not their fault. It's no, it's, it's just it's, the, it's the way that big time college basketball is going. Greg, can we bring up the fact that um, the first year we were on ESPN when Eddie called Jay Billis our colleague? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think he read you read his book or something, or I we were promoting his book. That was back in the day when ESPN used to give us things a promo for them. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> the coach of the team we were covering that night read the book. <laughs> yes. And I yes. said, <laughs> I can't even claim that I read it. They didn't even read Jay Billis' no, book. No, but... I they, have it, by the way. I, I, you I have read it? a little bit of it. Yeah. People love that I book. I read a yeah. little bit of it. Yeah, I read a little bit of it. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit I'm more I'm reading than, the Knicks book currently, by the way. That one looks really good. Yeah. I really like that one. But no, yeah, I didn't even read it. And, and I dropped that on him. And I'll never forget the slow turn. I don't remember who was producing that game. Was. It was. Was it you? Yes. Back in the day, I produced all I, the I was going to say it was either you or Gary. And, and Steve gave mm-hmm. me a slow turn and looked at me and... It's hard not to laugh. At no, that. that's great. I knew, uh, I knew what I did. That was the greatest. Yeah, I turned and looked at Eddie like, what? <laughs> uh, and for those who don't know, me and Eddie are, are pretty close friends. Yeah. So uh, I did give Eddie that look like. Yeah, I've gotten that look other times for the record. Our colleague, Jay Phyllis. <laughs> right. I think you called me out on the air. The, the only time uh, he's actually talked to us was when he whispered. Don't worry, they'll get in. Right. And right. <laughs> no, wait, didn't he? Wasn't that the year he talked to a bunch of us before? They came before the game early or shoot around or something. He ended up sitting in chat with us. I think, yeah, they did that. We had a couple years in Albany when, and of course it was there because when the tournament moved to Atlantic City has been the last two years. So obviously yeah. we haven't had a lot of face-to-face interaction with, sure. you know, some of these, you know, ESPN personalities. But, I mean, Jay Billis and um, Sean McDonough Sean, yeah, and, Sean you know, Jason Benetti, who I think is doing this I year's tournament, I think he is doing too. He's, he's outstanding. Yeah, Jordan Cornette the one year was yeah. a really cool guy, really, really fun to talk to. And, um, you know, it, it was so great. All those memories, right, that kind of come into play. And, and I know, you know, something that you kind of just said, right, like this year's group, and we highlighted the men, the women, everyone's got veterans, but kind of it's the next memories, you know. And I think 
I think, guys, we're all excited because for the first time in Atlantic City now, the first year the tournament gets canceled. The second year, you'll have the tournament in the condensed COVID season, but there's really no crowd. It's friends and family. This year's the first year that Atlantic City is going to get the chance to see a full tournament of games with crowd, with fans, and um, I know we're really excited to, to see what it's going to be like, you know, because we haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, you have two New Jersey schools, St. Peter's and Monmouth, who have big-time chances to win the MAC tournament. Uh, so you hope that they get the support down in Atlantic City and, and bring all those fans in. Uh, St. Peter's, Eddie, might be playing the, the best basketball in the league right now. I mean, uh, Shaheen's done a great job with Shaheen's them, Shaheen's right? phenomenal. Shaheen is phenomenal. I love the way he coaches. Uh, he's so competitive. Uh, his teams are legit tough. Uh, they play great defense. They don't even really have an alpha score, and they've never really had an alpha score since, since he's taken over as the head coach there. But they just get it done. They, they mm -hmm. find guys to get buckets when that matters most. Casey Nadefo is a freak. Uh, with the way that he anchors their defense. He's not even that big in reality as far as height-wise. Right. When you see him in person, he's like, I don't know, what, 6'6", six, six maybe? Mm -hmm. He's not like some giant shot blocker. He's just an athletic freak. An athletic freak who, who fits in really well because you have a, a rim protector with a team that really guards well on the perimeter. Uh, I root for them. Of course, one of my high school friends is one of their assistant coaches in Ryan Whalen. So uh, I, I really, really root for them. Uh, obviously not when they're playing Monmouth, although St. Peter's seems to have a ton of success against Monmouth uh, recently, and that's because of the way they play. They really grind you out. They really guard you, and, and Shaheen has done just an excellent job, and he's gotten a lot of good players to go to school there too. Yeah, which is kind of amazing. Not amazing, I mean, but it's no secret that they don't have the resources or the location. I mean, they have the location being across from New York City, but um, I just think he's done a really good job, as did John Dunn before him. Yeah, and that John Dunn's still in the league at Marist. And you mentioned it, Steve. St. Peter's has won four in a row to end the regular season. They're, it started with their win here at Monmouth back on February the 25th. After that game, they've allowed the following points in their last three wins. 36 points to Monmouth's opponent in the first round Niagara, 51 at Manhattan, and 41 to Fairfield. That is an extreme example of what they do well. Uh, that, crazy. And that is about peaking at the right time and playing your best basketball in March. I mean, is that not the epitome of it, right? And uh, when they came in here and played us four games ago, for them, uh, I, I thought they played tremendous. Uh, and Pappas kind of went got hot in that game at the end. Or they would might have beaten Monmouth by double figures as well in that game. So uh, I think they're flying high right now, and I think they have a huge chance to win the MAC championship, those guys. Yeah, definitely. And and so let's go down. Let's kind of look at what teams you think have the best shot. Obviously, we can keep Monmouth in there. I don't, I, you know, I don't want to exclude Monmouth, or I don't want to, you know, put them at the very top of the list. But who are the teams that you think have the best? Give me three teams that you think have the best shot to make to win this this whole thing. So Iona has this coach. He's a Hall of Famer. His name, <laughs> his name is Rick Patino. He's dynamite on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> he is dynamite on Twitter. I think he's phenomenal. He is the college. I, I told Greg this. I think he's a college basketball version of like Lane Kiffin on Twitter. Lane Kiffin is kind of the honest, going to shoot you straight guy. Rick Patino's becoming that. Rick Patino is gonna. He's just going to give you the straight information how he sees it. Uh, yes, and plus the fact that he's been so successful and he's won national championships. He's pretty funny on Twitter, too, and uh, he's got a great way about him. And uh, He's a big horse racing guy, by the way, too, which makes me like Rick Patino even that much more. He, as you see, tweeted about his I horse did, the other day in the Fountain of Youth. <laughs> uh, it's, gr it's great. I like uh, So any uh, horse racing guy or horse racing analogy we can make uh, I think is great. So I Iona, 
obviously 17 and three in the league. They're loaded with players. They're loaded with talent. Uh, you have to make them the favorites to win uh, the MAC championship. Plus, their their numbers speak for themselves too. They're the highest scoring offense in the league, and field goal percentage defense. They're number two in the league. You know, and when they were winning the league under Tim Kluse, we know how great offensively they were. They weren't really known to be a great defensive team. Obviously, Rick Pitino has them playing really good defense as well. But those Tim Kluse teams would play defense when it mattered. They were the ultimate. Like almost like an NBA team, yes. Right, they would play defense when they wanted during the regular season, and yes. then you got into games that mattered, and they would make adjustments. They would play defense possession by possession, which is kind of how it is in the postseason, where they would go out get the stops they need, and they would win a lot of games. But like you said, what Rick Pitino is doing with them defensively is just totally different. It's a different kind of defense. Kloos might throw like a junk zone at you Absolutely. every now and again, maybe play a box and one, and you're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Where Iona, and if you don't play defense, Rick Pitino is going to take you right out. So. They, so you think they're obviously one of the teams that you feel. Who are the other two that I would, to Greg's question, say would be kind of your favorites? I think St. Peter's, you know, right now, they're probably the value play, right? Because they are playing the best basketball in the league. And, and I know we just went over uh, how good they are and what a great coach Shaheen is. So I think uh, St. Peter's would be next. And then after that, I think Monmouth would be the, the third team, especially with uh, Gaines getting hurt at Siena, and even though Siena is a higher seed than Mammoth, I would say Mammoth's the next team in there for what they have in their lineup, all the experience they have. Plus, Mammoth having a true post presence in Walker Miller, I think, is so important in postseason basketball. Do you think? I mean, watching and let's talk about Walker. Watching him play, it was interesting having Dave sit next to me all throughout the year because of his perspective of Mammoth posts. But from your experience as the as an analyst, as a player on the team, as a fan for years before that. Is that one of the best big man seasons we've seen out of a Mammoth player? At least in, and I can't speak to the, you know, Alex Blackwell days and the Fernando Sanders days. I can't speak to those. But at least going back to the mid '90s, is that as good as we've seen? Uh, absolutely, it's one of the I think better seasons uh, for a Mammoth big. His touch is pretty incredible uh, underneath the rim, and even coming out eight, ten, twelve feet, he can shoot the three, obviously. But that like flick shot he puts up, that soft touch flick yeah. that he has, and he and he has a quick release on it too. I mean, what a shot that is! And uh, before you know his game, right, you go, "Oh my god, what kind of shot?" Oh, it went in. <laughs> what a shot! And he's shooting it consistently. Yeah, three or four times a game, he's hitting that shot. And plus, he can step out and shoot a three too, and knock down a three as well. So, uh, I think Walker's a, a huge get to the to the puzzle here for Mammoth. If you remember last year's team, last year's team played so grossly undersized; they had no post presence. So, the ability to dump that ball in and get a bucket in close games in the postseason is a is a huge component to an offense uh, that you don't always have to rely on a guy like George Pappas to get hot from the outside. So, this is a question that I brought up to to somebody earlier this morning. If Mammoth is the one seed, if Mammoth is seventeen and three, is Walker Miller a first team guy? We've seen in the past where the, usually the teams at the higher you know higher seeded teams get multiple guys on the first team, right? So uh, if Mammoth was the one seed, he honestly, yeah, he probably would be on the first team. I was thinking that too. Yeah, I think 100% because, like, let's say then you kind of flip things. Mammoth would deservedly get two guys on the first team where Iona got two right. at 17-3. So, yeah, he would almost replace Nellie Jr. Joseph, let's say, or he'd replace, you know, one of the players yeah. on the first team. Quite frankly, this the second team might be the best second team we have seen in, in, the, in our time in the MAC, and it's been nine years. 
I mean, it's remarkable. The and you know, we'll give you kind of all of it, but the the men's first team is Tyson Jolly, who was, I believe, a unanimous pick. Sure. So he's got kind of an edge. Uh, he was of the excellent year. against Monmouth. He was both times. He's really good. He's really really good. Right. It was him and it was Nelly Junior Joseph. Right. So mm-hmm. the two Iona players. It that, was that's a legacy pick for this year. Agreed. It, it, Nelly Junior Joseph had a weird year. Right. He might be. He was dominant last year. Yes, as there a freshman. Point, yeah, there were points last year when you're like, holy crap. Like, How is this kid in the Mac and not in the Big East? <laughs> right, right, right. And if Patino wasn't the coach, there's absolutely no way he's still in the Mac. <laughs> Completely agree. Right. And and, it's, and he, he doesn't take a step back, but he it was a weird year. Because I think we all I, expected his numbers to really skyrocket. I also think because they had they had more around him. Very good point. Right? Jolly and the, who's the other kid that lit Joyner, who was fantastic. Yeah. So those two made the first team. The leading scorer in the league, Jose Perez, makes the first team for Manhattan. The second leading scorer in the league was Marcus Hammond. He's on the first team. And George Pappas makes the first team. Yep. Right? So it's hard to look at that and go, all right, you know, I get it, you know, whatever. Then the second team is, this is, I think, as good a second team as we've seen in nine years. Elijah Joyner from Iona could have been mm-hmm. a first-teamer. Sure. Mm-hmm. And like Greg said, just absolutely he was, was good fantastic against Monmouth. Jawatuka from Marist. Mm-hmm. What a year he... By the way, if you look at his numbers, he's a first-teamer. I know. Uh, it, it, his numbers for a freshman are unbelievable. And we saw him be unguardable in a couple of games. Yeah. Like, literally. Walker Miller, who I think anybody would sit here and say might be the most skilled big in the league. Sure. I think any team in the league takes Walker Miller on their team immediately. Casey Nadefo. Who's the defensive player that you're going to be for the third straight year? Right. You'd hope, right? I mean, there's no way he's not. No, he has to be. I mean, goodness. I've seen some. There's people acting funny before. <laughs> I've seen it. And then Colby Rogers from Siena, who, when Monmouth played them here, he wasn't great. Right. But up in their building, he had like five or six threes in the second half. That's as good a second team as you get. Now, the, the third team, it's seven players. So I'll quickly run through them. It's Ricardo Wright, Shavar makes it, and then two Quinnipiac players, Matt Belonk, Kevin Marfo, Demencio Vaughn from Ryder, Daryl Banks from St. Peter, which is a really, really good player. Good player. And then Anthony Gaines from Siena. So uh, no no disrespect to the third team. But that second team, yeah. I mean, there's four guys on there that are first-team players. I'd like to see, like, one half of basketball, the first team against the second team. Like an old-school NBA All-Star game yeah, kind just, of thing. Just yeah, just play... You know, give give me I don't know, give me a half of basketball. <laughs> it would be it would be fascinating to watch that. So before we kind of shift gears and and look at the women's bracket as well, Steve, I got a question for you, kind of building on what Greg said. Outside of those top three, outside of the teams that you feel are the preeminent favorites in Iona, St. Peter's, and Monmouth, who's the team from the lower half of the bracket that you think could make a run? Well. I'm not going to go back to my pizzazz bowl prediction of the preseason. No wonder you got. No wonder I couldn't broadcast this year because that was a bad pick. <laughs> uh, Quinnipiac was my pizzazz uh, bald prediction, and they finished dead last. No. Now, granted, they did have injuries, bad injuries. Yeah, Lewis and Williams both got hurt, uh, but they have certainly gone the other way. Which is crazy because Matt Belong okay. had the year he had. So add Matt Belong to healthy roster, and you're you're you're. Prediction makes sense. Well, you're trying to make me feel better, which is why you've always been a great partner, Eddie. Uh, so I, I got, uh, you know, I think the easy pick is a guy like John Dunn, although they, they, they seem to be on a little bit of a slide. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to go with Mammoth's first-round matchup. Niagara. And I'm going to go Niagara. Mm-hmm. And two reasons, right? And there are two, I guess, pretty easy reasons. Marcus Hammond's the best player in the league and could put a team on his back and score 30 or 40 or who knows 50. In a game, hopefully he does. Hopefully not. Not score that much, but put put the put Niagara on his back. No a doubt, lot. right? Hopefully not because you know Mom is their first round opponent, but he could do that. And 
Eddie, I know you agree with me here. Secondly, I think Greg Paulus is a phenomenal coach. I think he's a phenomenal guy, too. I think he was put in a very tough position two weeks before their season started a few years ago uh, when um, Beeline resigned. And he was appointed the head coach. And I think he's done a great job in his few years with Niagara. Uh, and his teams shoot the three, and they don't turn the ball over. And again, they have the best player in the league. You put all that together, why can't they make a run? You, so you think that Marcus Hammond is the best player in the league? I think he, on nights he is. I, and mm-hmm. I think two years ago, he showed that he might be the best player in the league. Last year was a weird year for him. He just didn't, whatever whatever it was, he didn't have a good year. This year, he's kind of back being the, the type of player that we all knew he could be. And no surprise, Niagara's uh, overachieved Better, right? according to their preseason pick and as the five seed. So I, I think Marcus... Marcus Hammond is certainly one of the best players in the league and has nights of being the best player in the league. Anytime you have a guy who can score 40 points, you have a chance in a postseason game because he can just uh, take you to the promised land. So you brought up Greg Pauls and, and how much you like him. And one of the things that like we've talked about is pre, you know pregame interviews that these coaches do with you guys. And uh, there are a couple that kind of stand out that, that really go above and beyond to you know, give you kind of an inside scoop, and, and they they respect what happens here at Monmouth, and know that you're not running into our locker room and being like, oh, well, coach just told me that X Y Z's hurt, and he's not going to do this or what. So, so give me a couple guys that that you really think, um, I don't want to say respect the position, but a couple guys that really go above and beyond in, in our league as we as we're kind of exiting to to give you an inside look at, at what. Um, what you can expect out of their team that night or, or the following night. I'm going to steal one first because to to me, and I know Greg didn't ask me the question, <laughs> but no, it's really for both of you. I'm just, you know, Steve's the guest, you know, I, I, I really feel <laughs> like it's hard to look at the list because for the most part, every coach gives us their, their time. And it, it really is. We know how busy they are. We know how, you know, head coaches have a lot of pressure on them. So we understand that, but the, the first one that kind of jumped out to me, and I've, I'm probably going to steal yours, but it's Reggie Witherspoon at Canisius. He he has always been, whether they're winning, whether they're lo- and by the way, there's about five others or six others, but whether they were winning, losing, I mean, I talked to Reg, when they were down here, they were in a bad spot. They weren't playing well, and he just says, come on in the locker room, and he'll just give you the kind of straight, you know, answer, and it's because of the rapport that we've built with them and, and all that, but... I don't know, man. That To me, that's a really fun one, and it, it is probably because who are we, right? Like, who are we to him? He's been in basketball 30 years, and we're just a couple of, like, I'd say young announcers, even though I don't feel so young anymore, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, you know, I, I don't know, Steve. I'm going to start there knowing that I, we could have started with about seven or eight other guys. Yeah, we could probably trade yeah. guys here back and forth about who's been so good to us. Now, unfortunately, in the, in the way it's been the last couple of years, I've yet to have a chance to talk to, to Rick Pitino, and I'm not sure if, if you had a chance to talk to him yet either. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to get that chance, but yes. now we're leaving the, the conference, right? So I don't know if we will. Right. Um, but the horse racing thing that I also talk, I would love to talk yeah, to pick Rick his brain. Yeah, to pick his brain a little bit. Now, with that said, uh, you know, the first guy, when I was looking at the teams here, the first two guys that popped out to me, John Dunn, uh, has always been uh, really candid with us, I think, uh, whether it's in person or over the phone, and uh, I learned a lot from him. Again, I, with the coaching part, too, because I coach high school basketball, I'm so into what these guys are talking about 
not only for broadcasting purposes, but to also see if I can bring back to my team and, and to my coaching. And obviously, we all think John Dunn's tremendous. The other guy, quite honestly, has been Steve Massiello. Uh, Massiello is very candid, or at least he has been in the past with us. Uh, I've been able to go to Manhattan practices before. And like you said, like, like Greg said, you know, these guys know we're not going and getting information from them and running it back to Mammoth. They, they just know that there's a professional respect there. And, uh, you know, I tell these guys too, I'm coming here as Steve, the coach, not Steve, the broadcaster. If I'm coming to watch a broadcast or if I'm coming to watch a practice and, and coach Massiello has let me do that. And, and one of the things I've loved in the past, which he's actually gotten away from a little bit this year, is his defense. That yeah. that is kind of a uh, a Rick Pitino thing too. Is that uh, zone that they've always played over the years, and now I use that in some of uh, my teams that I coach. Right, so that's something that's that's really been practical for me, and uh, I really appreciate that. He's had me in the locker room before. He drew up his defense for me in the past. I mean, stuff like that is just awesome. And, and I think even beyond that, everyone we didn't mention, Shaheen Holloway gives us time on the phone every single time. You know, um, you know, some coaches don't want to do game day, right? So, hey, I'll call you the day before. You know, I had a great chat with him a few weeks ago. Um, Car Massarello called us on the bus, you know, coming down. These guys make time to do that. And, and Jay Young always comes up before the game, always mm -hmm. talks. Same thing with Kevin Baggett. Kevin Baggett, when Ryder came here, was not in, Ryder wasn't playing really well. Doesn't matter. Guys, I, I always have 10 minutes for you. And, and even Baker Dunleavy last week. You know, I, I we're lucky. And the women's coaches, too. They're, yeah, I, I was, I was going to flip it to the women's. Because I think on the women's side, they are losing two really good dudes. Oh, 100%. And really good coaches. But then there's got there's guys, there there are coaches who are still in the league that are that are awesome in, in terms of coaching and the, what we're talking about, the frame of reference we're talking about now. So as kind of differently from what we said with the men, Every single women's coach, right, gives us the time. And Joe Frager at Fairfield is retiring this year. I think that's one of the coaches that Greg is kind of alluding to. 19-1, and one, they're the number one seed, right? If you have a rooting interest, you root for that team. We all, you know, work at Monmouth, so we right. want Monmouth to do well. We're rooting for the bog. Every, right. But everyone else, or if your team gets eliminated, they're rooting for Joe Frager. Because he's yeah. a gentleman. Because he's done it the right way. And he's 19-1. and one. And... Brian George just announced, it was last week, it was the day we were playing Marist, yeah. that after next year he'll be stepping down and Aaron Dowdy, his longtime assistant, former walk-on for the Red Foxes. I thought it was so interesting. Her her freshman year was his first year as a head coach. They've been together since we were freshmen because we were all freshmen the same year back in the fall of 02. Um, he's going to coach next year, though. So mm -hmm. I told him, I said, Coach, next year, your biggest fans are going to be down here because Mama's in the CAA next year. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's awesome <laughs> for you. But, you know, whether, well, I mean, Brian Georges has been incredibly giving of his time and candid for someone who's won as much as he has. Mm -hmm. um, but so is Trish Fabry. And so as, you know, a, a lot of these coaches that we've had the chance, Mark Mitchell before Mama played St. Peter's came over and talked to me for 30 minutes. You know, just like, my coach, if you have to go do something, he's like, no, I'm good. Mm. I'd Lynn rather Milligan. I'd, oh, Lynn Milligan's another, fantastic. Another I did the... Excellent. Ryder game this year with Allie Jacks, actually. Right. So that was an interesting thing. You know, Allie was in the league for so many years. And her and Lynn were having, like, a friend conversation, and I kind of didn't want to get in. They're like, no, get in here. Kind of right, itching. Right, right. No, uh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And, and there were other games I didn't get a chance to do this year because the men were away. But they were always so, I think, appreciative, too, that we're trying to, Absolutely. you know, learn more grow about the teams. Learn their team to make the broadcast better. Right. You know? um, how about this? I'm going to ask you a question, Eddie. Sure. How about non-conference coach oh i like that is there anybody over the years there's one guy who sticks out to me and it's probably the same we usually on the same wavelength here but is there one non-conference coach where you say 
man, that was a great conversation we had with, with him or her over the years. Wow, that's a good one. I got one, I, and then I'm going to say this one, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, you're right. That was a great it's conversation. It's funny because not even being involved, obviously I'm involved from a producer at home where I used to be, but just hearing how everybody, because we talk about this, how everybody talks, I think I think I have a good guess at who it is. I, I have one in mind, but I want to hear. All right, I'm going to throw it out, and you tell me if I'm right, and I don't talk. And to you might even people. hit me with somebody where I'm going to go, oh, yeah, you're right, him too. <laughs> Mike Breen. No. Oh, I thought he was. I thought he was like great for you guys. Who you got, Eddie? <sighs> Ivy League. I was going to say Mitch Henderson. Mitch Henderson, because mm, Mitch Henderson yeah. is the same way. And this year, he actually invited us into the locker room and wow. helped. Cause it, it helped because I had Dave with me. So him oh, and Dave were friends. Him and yeah. Dave are guys, yeah. right? And I'm like a little kid. I'm like, okay, I'll come too. You know, and, <laughs> and I'll walk in. So, so Mitch Henderson was fantastic. Great. He was fantastic, and you know, I got into when we were talking with him a few years back. Obviously, from playing here and growing up and watching mom at basketball and then playing for coaches who played in this program under Wayne Zoke, uh, I've been running like this mammoth offense literally since middle school. All right, so I've been running the Princeton offense since I was a little kid, and then I you know, ran it in college here and then, of course, run it with my high school team and coach it at Christian Brothers, which you know is kind of a, a place where you can run Princeton offense, a tremendous basketball school. So talking to Mitch Henderson, who was on that Princeton team back in the 90s, who upset UCLA, I was picking his brain about the Princeton offense. And one thing he said is that it's kind of like a bad word now in today's college basketball because Princeton offense has this moniker of being like slow, slow down. Right, right. And no kid wants Run and to, gun, everybody. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you want freedom and positionless basketball and all those all those uh, buzzwords, right? Yeah, nobody wants to call an option football offense. It's the same thing. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Right. But we also ask a couple questions to the coaches that are have become like I think uh, your standard questions for what when we me and you run the those coach calls, which is is there anybody on your team that you think doesn't get enough credit or do, deserves more publicity than what they're getting? And Mitch Henderson goes, "Wow, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it." And then the other thing we asked was, "Is there any part of your program that you think is so important to you?" that you want us to communicate on the broadcast. And again, Mitch Henderson goes, wow, that's another great question. Thank you for asking that. And just him saying that, and then, of course, with just the conversation we had in general, I just felt like he was so genuine, right? And we've never had really a coach do that before. At least he was the first one to say, wow, thanks for asking that. That's a great question. And I think because of the thoughtful answers, you know, I think most coaches – and it's no disrespect to them because they're busy recruiting and, and scouting and everything else. They, they kind of like, not that they know what they want to say before you ask them, but like, you know, they have like right. standard answers. Right. And he kind of sat back and, and we've seen it with other coaches. And I'm thankful I get to do it for all of our sports here, right? So I get to get the perspective of a lot of different people. But when they sit back and go, hmm, and they really think that's where you're going to get your best content too. That's where you're going to get the best kind of stories within a program, you know? I can't stand, I mean, not to get off on an, on an announcer tangent, but when announcers think, right, that the game's about them. And it's like, no, you're telling stories of student athletes and coaches. And right. a league, really, is what it comes down to. And, and a game that I did this year, Steve, that um, you would have loved the conversation. Remember when our women's team played Oregon State mm -hmm. way back early, when? Early, early in the year. They, and they competed really yeah. well. Their head coach is this, is, this, is this guy, Scott Ruek. And he's, put it this way, I'm taller than he is. Right? <laughs> and I'm not tall at right. all. And he came over and was just the nicest, was asking about like our productions, 
Like, oh, this is amazing. Oh my goodness, you guys are doing it on ESPN yourselves? Like, he starts flipping the interview, and then I'm asking him, and he says things like that. Like, we don't even get this out in the Pac-12. We don't get this with other things. And I asked him those two questions that we, typically, those where you get the best information out of sure. the coach. You know, it'd be like if we asked what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. and we asked you why you're passionate yeah, about people it. people want to talk about themselves. They want to talk about themselves 100%. That's it. That's the 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 trick of interview right and and we do the same thing which is why we're talking with steve now for probably you know going off on a tangent away from the tournament right (laughs) here we are so i'll steve allow me to flip the script on us just a little bit we started off our conversation tonight or or this afternoon talking about um you know the monmouth women's team and the monmouth men's team so mentioned like greg said fairfield had a 19 and 1 regular season for the women they were by far the best team in the league throughout the year Manhattan and Quinnipiac were 14 and 6. Niagara and Jada Pierce, by the way, a surprising 11 and 9. And they're a team nobody wants to see because they play a really hectic style. They run every chance they get. But the women's side also only had four teams with a winning record. And two of those, Trish Fabry and Joe Frager, have been doing it for a really long time. Heather Vulin had a great season as well. Do you think, is it 19 and 1? Fairfield runs away with it. Is it going to be maybe a team that makes a run from the bottom? Mammoth is the six seed, competed with everyone this year. Uh, I know it's kind of what you know a wacky season, a little interesting, but I mean nineteen and one is nineteen and one. Any way you shake it, I, I think we've seen on that side those teams that have really dominated the league seem to go on and have a successful MAC tournament too. From Marist with Brian Georges, or when Trish Fabry had those teams from just a few years back, and also what the especially on the women's side, those teams go into the NCAA tournament. And they win advance, games. right? Yeah. And they win games. Yep. And that's that's a, a great job by those schools and those programs and those coaches uh, that not only do they have a great regular season and then take care of business, which can, and we've seen it personally, right? There's a lot of pressure in one-bid leagues when uh, you can be one and done in, in a conference tournament setting. All right, But they go in, they dominate the regular season, they win, they take care of business in the conference championship, uh, and then they go win games in the NCAA tournament. And what's better than that? That's true. I mean... Maris has done it a few times. PX done it as well. Sweet and, 16 banners. Right. You could say that, I guess, you know, if you look at men's and women's basketball on the MAC, like you said, going back over many years, the women's side has had more success in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I joke with the guys at Iona that, you know, they win all these MAC championships. Well, you know, go and win a game and get us some more money. <laughs> right? Like, like that's the, you know, you get paid out every every round and... You know, go go make a run. You know, if we lose, we lose. Pat you on the back. Hey, great, great job. Go now. Go get the league more money. Um, so, hopefully, it's Mammoth going out and getting the league more money right before we leave. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Um, I have an off the wall question. Not an off the wall question for first for Steve. I guess off the wall a little bit. Um, where, who, what non-starter has to have a good tournament for Mammoth for for us to be successful who's the one guy who doesn't get you know who doesn't get his name called at the start of the game that can come in and give us that push over the top i'm going to go to a guy who a couple years back uh, i thought had a chance to be a really significant player and i think he might be uh, you know getting to that point now where he's uh, now in the rotation he's been playing uh, some minutes here how about jarvis vaughn Mm. How about Jarvis Vaughn? Athletic freak. Athletic freak. Uh, a lot of energy. Uh, sometimes a little crazy <laughs> on the court. Uh, but I think he's a guy with his skill set. He can step out and knock down a three as well. Mm-hmm. But with his energy, he could spark you off the bench 
especially when you play a team like Iona, who has size, you're going to need some extra fouls, some extra athleticism to play against them down low, like a guy like Nelly Jr. Joseph. And then if you do advance against a team like Iona and play a St. Peter's, I, I mean, we, we saw that game up close, the Mom at St. Peter's game here in this building. St. Peter's is tough. They're physical. They're not overly big, but, but they play bigger. Uh, because of how they play and how they're coached. So how come a guy like Jarvis Vaughn can't come in uh, and be that X-factor and be that spark and match up you know, centric too? I, I think we're going to need some extra fouls down low. I say we, um, being a little bit Mammoth. Uh, no, you can here, be. But- this is this is the Mammoth podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. You're a Mammoth alum. You're a Mammoth broadcaster. Here's where you can say we. That's something where t- uh, 10, 11 years of broadcasting, Eddie, we did a very good job of, of oh of yeah being down the, the best uh, down the middle right yeah how many times we we hear it and get these text messages like oh my god this person's rooting for xyz team and i'm like yeah well this because you listen to you used to listen to eddie and steve like yeah or hey, matt and eddie on football games like, yeah you know. it's you know espn is one thing and then if you listen to our radio broadcast it's another thing and that's no different than any other uh broadcast crew you know, in, in the country, when Mike Breen's doing a Knicks game, he's doing the Knicks game. He's the Knicks announcer. But when he goes on NBC or ESPN, he works, uh, you know, for them, and it's an unbiased broadcast. Now, that doesn't mean you can't see us, right? Oh. But we are theatrical, under the table, holding each other <laughs> holding each other back, and one in, fist, fist pumping. And, and uh, so we definitely are theatrical, uh, under the table. Uh, and we are, you know, we're of course, we're rooting for Mammoth, but we are... I think down the middle when it comes, and I actually think I'm pretty tough on Mammoth. When we're on our radio broadcast, uh, knowing because I have a, a familiarity with Mammoth and knowing what they practice and how they practice, and you know what they're supposed to do on the court, I think sometimes you know I, I think we can I can be even tougher on them uh, in the broadcast because I I know how they're coached. I think that comes across more like a coach. It's more like a coach wearing a headset, having a microphone in front of him than it is an analyst, which I think is so interesting because you do spend so much time around the program and, and you do see what Coach Rice and the staff does with them and, and, and how much intensity they bring to it, which I, I, I think is very interesting. And that would be a whole other podcast, by the way. Top moments on broadcast of our reactions. I think there's a few that you and I have, like big dunks and shots. Gary Cox. There's Gary Cox at Syracuse <laughs> where their senior associate AD had to ask us if we were okay. That was Her- that was Herm Frazier. It was Herman Frazier, yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. Herm Frazier looked at us and goes, are you guys okay? Now here's the difference. <laughs> Football games were in a press box. Right. And typically at, right, at these great facilities we go to, no one can see us. So when Tymere Berry picks off Kennesaw State and he runs it 40 yards back to the house, no one can see me nearly jump on Matt's back and go crazy. Now you can hear it if you listen to the audio and there's, you, just, you know, it just sounds crazy. <laughs> but, you know, that would be a whole other conversation that we would get into. I'm curious and kind of one of the last things that I wanted to ask Steve was, um, you know, we've been fortunate to be here for a really long time and, and to have great courtside seats for a lot of really great moments. Um, in Monmouth basketball history, you know, and my time goes back even further as a broadcaster when it kind of runs into Steve's time as a, as a player on the team, as a student athlete. But what about this time of year? What about your March Madness memories? What about that just makes this kind of year all that much more special? And as we get ready to go to NAC, I don't care what anyone says, there's butterflies when you get ready for it, knowing what this program has done and what they could do. Uh, Eddie, I, I've been, uh, like you said, I've had a front row seat uh, since I was a little kid to this program. Uh, and some of the unbelievable uh, wins uh, that this that we've seen uh, over the years. And one of my greatest sports memories, 
is Mustafa Barksdale's four-point play at Marist in the semifinals. Uh, and I think experiences like that like shape you when you're a little kid. And I was in sixth grade. I had taken the fan bus uh, with my dad to Marist, to Poughkeepsie. It was an unbelievable environment. We had a little corner section right behind the Mammoth bench. And when Mustafa Barksdale hit that shot, we went completely bananas. And then Mammoth was able to win that game. And then obviously the game here in Boylan Gym where Mammoth went to their first tournament, Quincy Lee's free throws. And just seeing those kind of games and those kind of moments as a little kid, I think it just shapes you as a, as, as a player, um, as a person, uh, when you grow up and now as a quote-unquote adult and, and being a teacher and a coach, uh, I, I think it's moments like that that I never forget. Obviously, being a player, Eddie, and being on the team in 06 when Chris Kenny made the layup at FDU, uh, and then we had the great experience when we beat Hampton in the playing game. Uh, you know, again, uh, I mean, two of the, my greatest sports memories of, are Mammoth basketball related. One is a little kid with Mustafa Barksdale, and one is a player with Chris Kenny. Uh, and then recently, as a broadcaster with you with at the UCLA uh, at Pauley Pavilion opening night, I, I, all of my ma- basketball mem- memories are are Mammoth basketball related. <laughs> well, I know that we're all hopeful that we get to continue that trend. Love to build on one more, right? Yeah, I would love to have this conversation in a few weeks and say and add one to it. And uh, you know, Steve, it, it, it's going to be great. Obviously, when we're able to get things going again next year, and and to have the whole crew back together. And you know, thanks for taking up a little bit of time. I'll I'll see you down at AC. I know Greg will uh, I'll be there as well. Um, you know. We're looking forward to, you know, a great run of this, you know, men's and women's team down in AC. And thanks for uh, giving us a few minutes, man. Well, I apologize for going off on many tangents. Uh, no, that's, uh, what, while we that's were what this is for. That's what a podcast but is for. How about an all New Jersey final, Monmouth versus St. Peter's uh, this weekend? What do we think? I, I will take anybody that we've seen twice and lost to because I think it is so hard to beat a team three times. Um, but first, we, we, first we got to take care of business against Niagara. It was going to be tough. It's the four or five game for a reason, right? I yeah. mean, there was only two game difference between Monmouth and Niagara throughout the regular season. You, you root for Monmouth to take care of business that night, which is not going to be easy. But then you got a chance to play Iona and Rick Pitino in the semifinals. How exciting will that be and how much fun will that be? It's and awesome. Almost fitting, right? Monmouth and Iona, it's history, especially in those championship games. Gary says it all the time. Monmouth's never going to kind of go where it wants to go. It's got to go through Iona. Yeah. Regardless of how it happens. Right, whether it's on one side of the bracket or the other. Exactly, exactly. Got to get the proverbial monkey off of our backs. Greg, this was fun as always, man. Yeah, 12, I love 12 it. weeks in a row. Keep it going. Yeah, we'll, hopefully this time when we do it next year, next week, we'll be we'll be talking NCAA tournament. Oh, that sounds great. Oh, that sounds great. This has been another edition of Hawk Talk. Everyone, subscribe, rate, review, listen, tell your friends. We'll catch you on the next one. This has been a production of the Monmouth Digital Network. Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast distribution sites, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Pandora, and more. All rights reserved.